What up, world? It's your past first point guard and Blazer beat writer Mike Richmond, and you are listening to another episode of Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. What a day in free agency. Uh, the league moved up its free agency period, so things happened in the middle of the afternoon. Um, and luckily for you, the league has been colluding for 10 days, so things happened right away, and there was a whole boatload of player movement even before things officially got underway. Uh, you can go to any number of sources, including the Locked on NBA overarching podcast and all the uh, Locked on NBA affiliates to find out maybe a bigger spread of what happened in the league. There's, too, there's quite frankly, there's too much player movement for me to spend my 28 minutes on today's podcast assessing that. Certainly later in the week, maybe we can take a 30,000 foot view of what happened in the league. But uh, needless to say, there were billions of dollars of contracts signed today, and we are going to focus in here, hence the name of the podcast, Lockdown Blazers. We're going to keep it Blazers related. First segment, we're talking about who the Blazers got. Part two, we'll look about look at who they lost, and in part three, we'll talk a little bit about what is next for your beloved pinwheels. So let's start with who they got. Blazers inked two deals today. Uh, we'll, we'll do them in reverse order because I have more to say about the first one than the second one. Into Sunday evening, late into Sunday evening, one of the last deals of the day, uh, you know, there could be more deals. I don't want to. I don't want to jinx that. But one of the last deals reported today was that the Blazers signed six-eight uh, forward Mario Hazonia to a league minimum contract. Hazonia last year with the New York Knicks averaged eight point eight point eight points, four point one rebounds. He shot forty-one point two percent from the floor and twenty-seven point six percent from three. He's uh, kind of a three-four. I think he came to the league. People thought he was a two-three, but he's kind of in his in his career has kind of moved more towards a three, four type. Uh, he was a, you know, high lottery pick with the, with the magic that just never panned out. Uh, not the first high lottery pick with the magic that didn't pan out. People can't hold that against him. But when he entered free agency last year, the Blazers actually uh, made a, a, a concerted effort to go get him. He, they had about a short list of six wing types. they were trying to add to their roster for the cheap. Hazonia was one of those six wing types. And then he ended up signing with the Knicks for a little more money than the Blazers could offer him on a one-year deal. But he hit the market again this year, and he, he was pretty underwhelming, quite frankly, with the Knicks last year. I think uh, people assumed he would be kind of a starting small forward for the Knicks and play a, you know, a ton of minutes at, at the three spot for him. And after about a month, he kind of slipped out of the regular rotation. And uh, even for one of the worst teams in the NBA, and and a, a, young, a relatively young guy with some promising skills just didn't really play much I will say at the very end of the year when the Knicks uh were kind of out of healthy bodies and they turned the keys back over to Zonia and gave him like 30 minutes a night he had some monster games in the last week of the season some just some huge statistical games for a terrible team um I think this is a classic Blazer signing uh, they have gone this route so many times and mostly effectively uh, chasing what they call second draft guys. Those are p- guys who are high lottery picks who didn't pan out in other places either for lack of opportunity or sort of lack of development. They really believe that with guys like Hazonia, if they get them in their system and kind of 
um, get them in there with their development coaches that they can coax more out of them. Uh, they believed it with Mo Harkless, and I think they have. They kind of turned Shabazz Napier into maybe a guy who's going to slip out of the league into a real contributor. Uh, they've done it behind the scenes with sort of some of their own draft picks uh, as well. But I, but they, this is a just a classic Neil Olshay signing. Obviously, chased him last year, and he was still on a short list this year. Uh, I'll talk about this more in the third segment, but I, I, I see Hazonia probably playing power forward a lot for the Blazers, um, a spot that he's played a little bit of with the Knicks and the Magic over the past two seasons. Um, he's probably more of a true three, but at 6'8", 230, he's, he's, he's a guy who can play a little bit of four, particularly with the way the league is heading. So yeah, that's Hazonia. This is basically a no-risk deal. Uh, it's it's a two-year deal. The the first year is for the minimum. Second year is at a player option. Uh, if Hazonia pops, he's probably not a Blazer next year. He'll opt out and hit free agency for the third straight summer. If he doesn't, uh, they it's not too bad to have a a, a guy in his twenties uh, on the league minimum. Um, but you know, well, he, he's a wait and see because I think we've been waiting. There's been so there's some tantalizing moments with Hazonia where he shows he can really play, but. Um, if he slips to being a well below average three point shooter and and not a lot of other um, skills that have really sort of hit the box score yet, even though he tantalizes with a all around game, then he might just be an end of the bench type guy. The other thing the Blazers did, and this is to me fairly surprising, they brought back Rodney Hood on a two year deal. Uh, it's for the full taxpayer mid level exception, so it's five point seven million dollars for the 2019-20 season and Hood has uh basically the full legal raise they're allowed to give him it bumps up to about 6 million for the 2020-2021 season. So why I said this is shocking, not because the Blazers bought Roddy Hood back. I think all along he of the free agents, he was the guy that they identified as who they wanted. Uh versatile position wise, he can play he he can play 2-3 or 4, uh, although he's like more naturally a 3 and he and uh, kind of an undersized four, but he they they tried him out a little bit at all those spots just because he has some positional versatility defensively. Uh, you know, six nine lefty who can make a bunch of bad shots. You can give him the ball and he can go he can go hit a tough shot. Uh, proved to be incredibly valuable in the playoffs. Obviously, the uh, the hero of the four overtime game against uh, against Denver most famously, but even he had some other nice playoff moments after a really abysmal first round. Um, but why I say it's shocking is because the Blazers really believed that they were going to be priced out on hood. And for a while they were gunning to get under the tax line so they could get the full mid level and, and offer hood a contract in the 9 million range. But Somehow, and it, it probably suggests that Rodney Hood really, really did enjoy playing in Portland. When he was here, he said that this was a place that rekindled his love of the game. And after some miserable moments, a half year in Utah and a year and a half in Cleveland, this was sort of the, the first time that he you know, was playing high-level basketball and he had been in a situation that he really enjoyed. He told the Athletics' Jason Quick, I've never been in a situation like this before. I've never had something like this before. So obviously Rodney wanted to be back because quite frankly I think to do to to take under 6 million on the first day of free agency represents um what I would have guessed would have been well below his market if he had really explored it and um 
that's some of that is just speculation on what I think the the signals the Blazers were sending out heading into free agency, and some of that is just based on what his peers signed. Trevor Ariza, obviously a much stronger body of work and a, and 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 significantly older than than Rodney Hood, but kind of a comparable production wise type small forward and probably straight up worse than Rodney Hood signed a two year twenty five million dollar deal with the Kings. That's basically twice as much money as Hood is making. J.J. Redick, again, much just a straight-up better player than Rodney Hood, but but older and kind of in the the sort of um, you know fourth best starter type realm at this at this stage in his career. Signed a two-year, twenty-seven basically twenty-six and a half million dollar deal with the Pelicans. Alfaruq Aminu, who we'll talk about a little in the next segment, got just shy of nine million, but he got that full mid-level nine point seven million a year from from the Orlando Magic. Uh, the more sort of comparable deals with with Hood were Damari Carroll's two for thirteen with with the uh, with the San Antonio Spurs. Carroll's thirty two. He's not twenty five like Hood is. And I'm surprised Hood was willing to do this because this was the first time he was really able to hit free agency. Last summer was kind of a dead period for free agency because nobody had any money. All those big contracts signed in 2016 were coming off the books in 2019. We're coming off the books this year. And so Hood hit, signed a qualifying offer with the, uh, with the Cavs to become a restricted free agent and just never found a deal on the market last summer. And then he came off a really solid playoff performance. He wasn't very good for the Cavs during the regular season. And he was fine but not spectacular for the um, more useful in a specific situation with the Blazers than sort of like overall utility across the league. But he had a, he had some really nice moments in the playoffs that you kind of thought, okay, in a weak wing market, maybe he can get some money. And this is the, his first chance as an unrestricted free agent to hit the open market. This is the time when guys go out and get paid. It's a natural time to go chase the bag, if you will. And Rodney Hood chose not to. And I think choose is the big word here. He chose to re-sign. He chose to probably take a little bit less money to be here. It shows you all that uh, you know BS that writers like me write about the Blazers' chemistry might have some tangible effects. So, that's who the Blazers got. Also on this opening day of free agency, they lost somebody. A long-term starter that right now I'm not sure that they've replaced. So that's what we'll talk about in segment two. But before I do that, I want to remind you guys that you can find all the latest takes on NBA free agency and follow all the Locked On Podcast Network hosts on one Twitter feed at Locked On NBA Net on Twitter. It's an awesome way to get all the latest opinions from the local experts during NBA free agency. It's going to be a wild week. We're probably going to be talking about all types of things on there. And you get curated at one feed at Locked On NBA Net on Twitter. All right, so we talked about who the Blazers got who they inked who they lost and this is somewhat surprising but i think uh perhaps how expensive the tax might have been to retain alfaruq aminu probably informed some of this but i spoiled it that's right it's alfaruq aminu your beloved man chief signed a three-year, $29 million deal with the Orlando Magic. He's got a player option for the third year, so he could jump back into free agency. I, I believe that would be his age 31 season. But that's the full mid-level from the, or the, the, likely the full mid-level, I guess we haven't figured out exactly how 
teams could be creative. They might fit these deals into other places, but it looks kind of like the full mid-level from the Magic. So that was probably Chiefs market. And what, it, like I mentioned in the first segment, what I assumed Rodney Hood's market would be. Um, I kind of thought that the Blazers, if Chief was making under $10 million a year average annual value on his contract, that they would probably strongly consider bringing him back. But I think that their walkaway number was probably much smaller. It was probably like $7 million a year, or, or, or maybe even that taxpayer just right around $6 million a year. So as soon as it, um, you know, it, as soon as he was getting in the 30 mil range over three seasons, um, not that the Blazers could like match on the contract, but they certainly could uh, communicate with his agent and say, you know, if, if he wants to stay, we'll give him the same, the same deal and likely uh, a better role considering what the Orlando Magic have with Jonathan Isaac and Aaron Gordon already stacked at Alfred Minus position. But it kind of makes sense for the Magic. They certainly have a type, long, rangy, versatile 3-4s who can't shoot. Alfred Minus, as much as I thought he's a very good player for the Blazers and one that they might have a little bit of trouble replacing, he certainly fits the rangy 3-4 who can't shoot. Uh, he was really good for the Blazers. His... Um, Moving him from three to power forward his first year with the team jump-started that run from when they were, like, not very good to being a 44-win team that won a playoff series. Uh, him moving to power forward really changed changed the outlook. I know a lot of people think that he's a three, but he can't pass or dribble, guys. Get with it. Then, famously, that summer, uh, Neil Olshay said that with... Uh, Alfred Aminu at the four, we project as a 54-win team. A hilarious thing for a team that then won 41 games the following year. Uh, just an embarrassing thing to tell the media, but hey, sometimes it happens. Of course, the Blazers did finally approach 54 wins, winning 53 last year and Alfred Aminu's last year with the team. But after two years ago being a 38% three-point shooter, he really dipped down to like about 32%. And him as a below-average shooter, really just every time the Blazers got in a playoff series, teams just ignored and did not guard off Rukaminu, and it mucked up their whole offense. His inability to knock down open shots, and there would be about basically one game per playoffs when he would make a team pay for ignoring him, but he couldn't do it consistently, and that's just how teams guarded the Blazers. They just ignored him off the ball. Particularly the Warriors with Draymond Green. He's ended a, a handful of... Uh, playoff series. But I've always said, and I maintain this now, that if your problem with Al Farouk Aminu was that he wasn't good, you should be mad at the rest of the roster. The Blazers' problem was that they didn't have an obvious better replacement at power forward. So moving him out of the lineup was difficult. I am not sure right now that the Blazers have that covered. Zach Collins can probably play some power forward. Mo Harkless can play some power forward. Mo Mario Hazonia can play some power forward. Rodney Hood and some lineups can play power forward. If they bring Jake Lehman back, he can play power forward. But I'm not sure any of those guys with confidence is a better four rebounder defender than Rook. I think what you gain in 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 like theoretical floor spacing, you're going to lose with uh, front court defense and defensive rebounding. But I'll talk about more, that more in the next segment. I think this is 
I think this is a really fair market deal for Alfred Camino. I don't think he got overpaid. I think this is this is probably what I projected him at just in my um, when I was thinking about what what he might make on the open market. Orlando seems like a really weird fit, but clearly uh, because of how expensive it might have been for the Blazers as a tax team to bring Alfred Camino back at that price, and because they knew they were getting Rodney Hood back at such a good deal. They believe they can replace his production with minimum salaries. And quite frankly, they might be able to. I don't know that they have right now. But them deciding not to pay off Farouk Aminu isn't a big deal. And Al Farouk Aminu getting the contract he got is pretty reasonable. It's all fair. There's a lot of There were some wild things that happened today in free agency. I'm not sure this was one of them. But good for Chief, good for, Chief for getting the bag a guy who was a big contributor to this post-LaMarcus Aldridge era of transforming the Blazers into the team that they've become today. In the third segment, I want to talk about that. What the hell did the Blazers look like? What team did they become today? What team are they going to become through the rest of the summer heading into the 2019-20 NBA season? So that's what we'll talk about in part three. But before I do that, I want to remind you guys, as I've done a million times, but I want to do a one more for you. When you're driving around to work or from work or just around town, all you have to do is tell your smart device in your car, play podcast Lockdown Blazers, and I will be right there with you for the drive. Make it part of your daily routine whenever you get in your car. Tell your smart speaker, play podcast Lockdown Blazers. Welcome back. Still Lockdown Blazers, still Mike Richmond. So we talked about who the Blazers inked, who the Blazers decided not to ink, who they kept, who they lost. Now let's talk about what's next. And the first thing that's what's next is the uh, the first deal the Blazers signed on June 30th when they could was to give Damian Lillard his Supermax extension worth $196 bucks. It uh, doesn't kick in until the 2021, the summer of 2021. Uh, so he's got two more years left on the on his initial max contract that he that he signed in 2015. Uh, and this is I've talked about this when it was reported that he was going to when Dame basically said, "Of course I would sign it if they offered me." Seemed like it was a done deal that the Blazers were going to offer it. Uh, I, I think this is a no brainer. I think uh, the, you don't mess around and and if you're the Blazers and disrespect one of the best uh, players in the history of your franchise and not give him this money, this fat money. And if you're Dame and you don't wait until next summer and hope that your $200 million contract gets even a little bit bigger, you both just agree to it. It's a ton of money. He's going to make 47, almost 48 million in his age 34 season. It's a ton of money. Just take it. And for the Blazers, just give it to him. Lock him up. Keep him in, Keep him under your team control. Keep him here and figure out all of the sort of financial challenges that come with giving him $50 million a year later. But make sure your best player in franchise pillar is part of the plan. Uh, Blazers only have, I think, three guys, four, once they sign Nazir Little, who are even under contract for that 2021-22 season. Uh, Dame Nurk, Zach Collins, and Nazir Little. Got to assume that CJ will sign a max extension too, and they'll have an incredibly expensive five-man group uh, heading into the future. But beyond that, um, they're basically 
they'll be done shedding most of their bad contracts by the end of this year uh, when they get out from under Myers Leonard's money. Uh, Mo Harkless will expire, although I don't, I'm not sure $10 million a year for those guys is necessarily a huge overpay at this point, the way the cap is. And they'll be off the $19 million owed to Kent Bazemore after this one year. I think the Supermax is generally bad. It's generally been bad for teams. Uh, it's supposed to be this tool that small market teams have to keep uh, to keep their guys in in to, to offer something that the, you know the big markets can't, which is you know eighty million extra dollars. Uh, Steph Curry has signed it. I don't think it's kicked in, but that's probably not a bad one. Uh, Westbrook signed a Supermax. It's probably been mostly bad for OKC, but that might be because the the money around Westbrook as well. Um, like I said, it's probably the right. It was probably the right move for, for OKC, but it still um, has given them some serious financial problems moving forward. You know, there's been rumors that they've been trying to trade Stephen Adams just to, to salary dump because of their crazy massive tax bill, and obviously John Wall um, getting the supermax with uh, Washington that kicks in this season while he's dealing with an rehabbing from an Achilles injury uh, is a pretty tough one to swallow for the Wizards. Um, so I'd say generally the Supermax is bad, but Dame Supermax is a no-brainer for both sides. you got to do it, even if it ends up we look at this as uh, an overpay in a few years. So with Dame on the team, with Rodney Hood on the team, with Mario Hazonia on the team, here's what the Blazers roster looks like heading into the next season. They've got basically three, tr- three true guards, or four really, in Damian Lillard, C.J. McCollum, Anthony Simons, and Gary Trent Jr., uh, on the wing, Kent Bazemore, Mo Harkless, Rodney Hood, Nazir Little, Mario Hazonia, although he might end up playing more power forward, and also restricted free agent Jake Lehman, who played a bunch of power forward last year, but I think he's much better suited to play three just strength-wise. At power forward, I would say they have no one who is a natural power forward right now, although Mo Harkless might play there a bunch next season, and I think he'll be he'll be fine there. Not ideal, but fine. But beyond that, they really don't have anyone. I guess Zach Collins, you pencil him in as a power, as the probably day, day one power forward, although he could conceivably start at center with Harkless at the four. They just don't have anyone at that spot. And along the front line at center, Yusuf Nurkic obviously coming back from that leg injury, and Myers Leonard and Scalabissier. So just reading that roster, um, it seems like, the Blazers are primed to make some sort of consolidation trade, uh, trading, you know, the the pl- the players most likely to get dealt, I guess, Trent Jr., Harkless, Myers Leonard, and consolidating those guys to get an, another big, probably, probably a center, because they, they would need help up front. But if if not, if it's if it's uh they could conceivably just sign someone who's like a 4-5, someone who could play power forward next to Nurkic when he comes back healthy, or someone to play power forward and just roll with Zach Collins as your stretch five in the middle. It seems like the roster is lining up for a consolidation trade. I am not saying, dear listener, that the Blazers are getting their assets together to trade for Kevin Love. That's what the internet is saying. If you want to see people speculate about Kevin Love trades, just Google it. It's on Twitter, y'all. Just, just see people talk about it on Twitter. It's all that the Blazer fans are, are... If you tweet anything, Blazer fans are talking about Kevin Love right now. Also, Kevin Love, fueling the fire, took an Instagram post in the city of Portland today. Hilarious. 
But if the Blazers don't make a consolidation trade, they do. They don't have many tools left. They can basically they. Ennis Cantor isn't coming back for the minimum. Seth Curry isn't coming back for the minimum. And plus, they have a ton of wings and no seemingly limited minutes for him. So if they do sign a big man, it seems like they may have to wait out at least maybe the next couple of days and see kind of where things settle and, and see what the market is for big men. Luckily, the way the NBA works, if you need to sign a center, there is always going to be a glut of centers available because the league puts such a low premium on that position. So it's a good position. To, it's a good place to be in a position of need, to need a, a true five. But I don't think the Blazers roster is set. Uh, Neil O'Shea talked a lot about how there weren't going to be fireworks on July 1st. I don't know if I would call these fireworks. I'd say they were surprising. They weren't big explosions, but getting Rodney Hood on the cheap is a good deal. Uh, letting Afrukaminu walk for not a ton, a ton of money is kind of surprising. But with 13 players under contract, plus Jake Raymond, Jake Raymond, Jake Lehman's uh, restricted free agent rights on the books, the 14, the Blazers do have one and potentially two open roster spots. They can just straight up add a minimum big man, roll into the season next year with a team, with basically the full core of the team save for um, non-shooting wings who maybe hurt them stylistically that made the Western Conference Finals. It's a team that could run it back. Or darn close to it. Uh, but but like I said, Neil Olshay said when he was he was talking about there weren't going to be fireworks, and I like I said, there's there's some prizing moves, but he kept saying that the way the Blazers were going to upgrade their roster was through trades. He said it multiple times in public press conferences. So I believe there is a, a trade coming, whether it's minor or major. I think I don't think the Blazers are done. Now, maybe they explored the trademark and it didn't work, and that's why they've made the moves they've made. But it kind of seems like they have a logjam in the sort of guys who are on the wings type players. And maybe they'll make a move. We're six hours into free agency, and it was a lot of stuff, guys. I really appreciate you guys listening. Later this week... Uh, obviously, if there's any more Blazer news, you'll get an immediate podcast from me. But later this week, I'll, I'll kind of dive in when the dust settles on where everyone signed. Uh, you know, I didn't mention what the Nets did. But like I said, if you listen to this podcast, you can probably figure out what the Nets did. Didn't mention what the Lakers did because they didn't do anything. Didn't mention what the Jazz did because um, the, I'll talk more about the Jazz later this week. But I'll do a 30,000-foot view of sort of what happened in the NBA and where it puts the Blazers in the pecking order in the West as um, – they try to reload and make another trip back to the West Finals. Tell your friends about Lockdown Blazers. They can find this podcast wherever they download podcasts. Six hours in a free agency. The league has, seemingly every player in the league has changed teams. It's going to be a lot more fun stuff this week. Thanks guys for listening. Talk to you soon.